Welcome to College Football Overnight. Uh, melancholy edition with Mike Leach passing away overnight as we record this on Tuesday morning. Yeah, he passed away, I guess, late last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, which if you've been following the news, this was not unexpected, despite, you know, the the hopeful side of Twitter that was like screaming, he's gonna be okay. Which no no, he wasn't. From the looks of it, he was um he was not okay when he is rushed to a hospital about two hours away. So one of the best hospitals in Mississippi. So my hope at that point was that he would survive, but I knew he was never coaching again. Yeah. Yeah, which I think that that was maybe a reasonable hope. Yeah. So, yes. Um, so yeah, I guess let's let's get the intros, intros out of the way. I'm Joseph. You can find me on Twitter at ShadowYoshi5. Um, and on Insta, also at ShadowYoshi5. And probably a bunch of other places at ShadowYoshi5. Hell, I'm on TikTok. Not that I've ever posted anything at ShadowYoshi5 if you want to follow me there for some ridiculous reason. He's Kevin. You can find him at Shonen Sports on Twitter. Um, Shonen83 on Instagram. And that's about it. Yeah, and nowhere else that he wants to share if, in fact, it even exists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's just start with Mike Leach. Um, you know, what? 21 years as a head coach, Texas Tech, Washington State, uh, Mississippi State. Uh, and a Finland, <laughs> a team in Finland. Amongst other things. Yeah, as a head co- football coach. <laughs> yeah, during his uh, during his little Texas Tech enforced sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Oh no, this was in 1989. Oh gosh. Yeah. I have his Wikipedia up. So. 89. Jeez. Yeah. Uh. Well, I'll just do it right here. Um. um oh, I got. I've got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Pori Bears. Yeah. Um, he played rugby at BYU because I guess he broke an ankle so he couldn't play football. <laughs> yeah. So he, he and then went to law school at Pepperdine. Yeah. Um though um I actually got a story about this that I that I saw. I forget who I forget who shared it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leach talking talking to his wife. It's like so, um, do you want to be rich? Do you want me to be rich and miserable, or uh, poor and happy? And she said, "Poor and happy." And so he went into coaching. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you don't know, particularly starting in the late eighties, early nineties, um, Coaching, unless you got to the highest levels, was not a lucrative field. Yeah, no, not unless you were like you know N- yeah. NFL or high, high. Well, no, if you reached Division One, it yeah. was, it. I mean, it wasn't as lucrative as now. Mm-hmm. 
but you were making at the very least you weren't poor. Yeah. But whereas like now you've got guys in division two who make like six figures and you're like, okay, yeah, no, that's pretty good. Right. Yeah. You know, who make like 150, 200,000. Right. Yeah. D- you know, lower level, if you were below then one double a now FCS, mm-hmm. even as a head coach, you were making like 60,000 back then yeah. or less. Um, position coaches and things like that. Like, you know, a position coach at, at, at a D2 or a D3, like, you know, for example, Iowa Wesleyan and Valdosta State, the first two places that uh, Leach worked after his little tenure in uh, in Finland. Yeah. You know, 1980, that's basically 89 to 96, right? Uh-huh. I bet his salary, you know, even as the offensive coordinator for, for those places was sub 50,000 and at Iowa Wesleyan it was probably sub 30,000. Hmm. Like that's not even in 1989 dollars. Yeah. That's not, you know, raise your family um level of living here. All right. Um you know and and you know notably um you know, if you didn't know, and and this is one of those weird ones, you would never realize it if you didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, he was a member of the LDS. Yeah. Which means, um, so he was considered a couple of different times for the BYU head coaching job in his career. Uh, I would have imagined so. They thought he was too, the first time they thought he was too quirky. The second time they thought he was too far out of their price range. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So he starts at Cal Poly. Yeah. Does a year there, a year at College of the Desert, wherever that is. Oh, that's in Palm Springs. Yeah, that. <laughs> oh, I think I drove past that. Going yeah, to yeah, we've driven. We, we've both driven past there before. Yeah. Uh, then the Pori Bear. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I will Wesleyan and then, anniversary. This is where he uh He meets Hal Mummy. Yeah. And um you know, well Hal Mummy creates the air raid. Hal Mummy himself has said Mike Leach named it. <laughs> um coins the the air raid. Mm-hmm. Which really is just um It's just an upgraded um, version uh, of Lavelle Edwards and Norm Chow's offense. Yeah. Now, that said, Edwards and Chow and, and them, they ran the big passing game, but they ran it out of more traditional sets for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I mean, I mean, for those who don't know what Chow's offense looks like, um, remember that Lane Kiffin's offense is based off of Chow's offense from having worked, and, and so is Sark's from having worked for Chow under Pete Carroll at USC. Oh, yeah. So the USC offense in the mid-2000s is basically the offense this all iterated off of. Yeah. Now, of course, Leach took it to the shotgun and went for you know, execution, execution, execution. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so like that that that's just a thing from Iowa Wesleyan. He 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 follows Mummy around basically. Yeah. Um, he's Mummy's OC at Valdosta State. Um. You know, in Division Two. Oh, okay, that's where that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then goes uh, to Kentucky. Well, and then and then Mummy goes to Kentucky, and um, yeah, you, you know, they get Tim Couch and get him to number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and then Leech, after two years with Mummy, finally leaves the Mummy tree, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and rolls to Oklahoma under Bob Stoops. Yep. Um, he's only there one year. He's not there for the national title year. Yeah, just 99. Because he gets... Because he gets the Texas year. job immediately. Yeah. Because everyone sees what Oklahoma did, did on offense and go, oh man. Yeah. You know, at Texas Tech, he does all that until the famous um, Craig James gets him fired thing. Which, if you don't know, Adam James, Craig's son, recanted the whole thing years later. Hmm. Um, which, in, in, in a... Uh, <laughs> In a great tribute going around on Twitter today, you know what is revived in honor of Miss uh, of of Coach Leach today? Huh. Hashtag CJK5H. Craig James killed five hookers, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> okay. The old "Every Day Should Be Saturday" meme, which, by the way, if you don't know, Coach Leach actually signed a book. With, Ke- with Craig James killed five hookers with, with the initials for it one time. Picture that's floating around too, which is part of why it's, um, <laughs> it's trending and, and back and going. Okay. <laughs> just just your, your weird internet subcultures of things, right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But, you know, he went... You know, he built slowly, wins big, ultimately, at Texas Tech. Gets fired. I will note that uh, this season was the first time since Leach was fired that Texas Tech had a winning record in Big 12 Conference play. <laughs> um, I mean, they had winning overall records. And they, and they had quite a few, you know, particularly when the Big 12 was at, was still at eight games in the conference schedule. Mm-hmm. They, they had a quite a few 504 and 4 finishes in conference play. Just to be clear. Yeah, I see them right here. They have uh, the records. Yeah. Like yeah, f- uh 8 and 4, 5 and 3 in the yeah. Yeah, but I mean the big year's 2007. Or I mean 2008, I mean. 2008, yeah, when he uh ties for the South. Well, no one remembers the tie for the South. Everybody just remembers the one game. <laughs> when they beat number one Texas in Crabtree. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Crabtree play to beat Texas. Um, And then they beat number... A lot of people don't remember that they blew out number eight Oklahoma State the next week. 
Hmm. Um, before, um, before that Oklahoma team took, <laughs> um, took their souls that two weeks later. Um, yeah. And then, and then, you know, 11 and one, but, um, also they were a victim of, uh, uh, of um, one of the BCS's nonsense things. Mm. The old two teams per conference rule. Oh, yeah. Which sent them to the Cotton Bowl, which, re- remember, was not at its New Year's Six status back then. Hmm. You know, where they were where they were beaten by Ole Miss. Um, the first of many bowl matchups between Texas Tech and Ole Miss, by the way, including this season. Yeah. All right, and then he goes to. Well, after a couple years away because of the circumstances of his firing, related to concussion things, and um, also litigation going on, he can't come back until some of that's resolved. Yeah, and then he resurfaces at Washington State. Yes, and immediately goes about. Doing two things, which honestly are amazing and also horrible. At least for the Pac-12. You know what that is? What? He immediately goes about reviving Washington State. But he also immediately goes about starting to lose to FCS teams. Uh, In the process of lighting a match to the rest of the Pac-12 sometimes. Yeah. Um. Y- yes. You know, which doesn't really help anybody. Um, his only win over Washington is in 2012. Oh, that must have been a bad Washington. Um. It wasn't that bad of a Washington. Um, I believe it was Sark's last year there, though. Oh, okay, yeah, they just weren't up to snuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, it, it, it was a 500 Washington, basically. Yeah. Um, they were actually ranked 25th going into the game. Hmm. So, like, they, it wasn't a bad Washington, it just wasn't a good Washington. If that makes sense. Okay. So so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it was pre Chris Peterson, and let's face it, for all the great things Mike Leach did, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Peterson and those guys, unfortunately, owned Leach. Yeah. What was that one season where uh, it was uh, the Apple Cup where they were like, what was that, the 2015 season or? What, when they were like, they do the same thing and whatever? Uh Uh-huh. That was, that was actually um, 2018 where it was basically winner goes to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. 
Um, yes, so. Um, it's also in this time where, I mean, Weech really kind of gets comfortable on his media stuff. Obviously, he had said a lot of things. Yeah. That were funny. We knew him as the head pirate and everything else at Texas Tech. But things got a little looser up in Pullman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we know that Leech is a uh, he's he's a sometimes honorary guy. Well, he's also a loose cannon. Yeah. Yeah, but like you know, the fat little girlfriend's thing was at Texas Tech. Yeah. But some of the other stuff that we know of from, from when he ranted, we're up here in Washington. State. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that. You know, at Washington State was where he you know. On SportsCenter, after the upset of USC in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, how does it feel? Looking around, it's a, it's a great party here. It's like Woodstock, but everyone's wearing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the leechisms that, that we get. Yeah. Okay, so after that, and then um, 2019 was a so-so. It was six and seven um, record, but yeah, but I mean when your you know, when your grad transfer quarterback ends up starting a bunch of games that year, you know, from from the previous year is starting a bunch of games in the NFL. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> And then and, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, he immediately started in the pandemic year in 2020. Yeah. By blowing up LSU and having his quarterback break the all-time single-game um, passing yardage record in the, in the conference. Yeah. And then... And then, the, you know, this year, be, his best team so far at Mississippi State. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we'll, and we'll see how things look next year for whoever the coach is and however that goes. Um, the, I mean, the other big thing is, of course, uh, his coaching tree. Yep, I'm looking at it right which now. Which is freaking absurd. Yeah. Um, and also doesn't even, and like the list you're looking at on Wikipedia, it doesn't even include everybody. Hmm. Um, like, so, um, you know, there, there are some others who cite Leach as the, as the main influence mm -hmm. who just worked with him as assistants, but didn't, but, um, because they didn't work directly under him aren't considered part of his tree also. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got Art Bryles. Uh-huh. you got Sonny Dykes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, who's, I mean, who has taken it to the playoff this year. Yeah. Um, you know, Ruffin McNeil, who East Carolina never should have fired. Hey, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Holgo, Dana Holgerson. Yeah. Who, not in the same way as Leach, but is another one of those character kind of coaches. Like, you know, he's a character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Seth Luttrell. Mm -hmm. uh, Lincoln Riley, who, of course, he's taking it to the playoff, too. 
Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, Ken Wilson, who's currently at Nevada. Um, Dave Aranda, of course. Then the players, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Neil Brown, uh, Latrell, Josh Heupel. Oh, yeah. Um, who was actually his quarterback in the one year at Oklahoma in 99. Hmm. Um, you know, Eric Morris and Sonny Cumbie. Yeah. So, and here's where I talk about, you know, the others, though. Um, Oklahoma kept his offense after he left. Oh, okay. Um, and the the guys who became the, the offensive coordinators thereafter, uh-huh. who iterated upon it, Mark Mangino, who eventually went to went to Kansas and and um, you know got him to the Orange Bowl in 07. Okay, yeah. Um, Kevin Wilson, who had known Leach and was and so Kevin Wilson is one of the other spread offense innovators. Oh, okay. So he took so what you know, if you and... if you look around, um, if we're if we're gonna be totally clear here, there are three major, there are three or four major spread offense innovators who do it in different ways. There's Leach on the air raid side, right? Yeah. Um, so, Kevin Wilson works under Randy Walker at Miami of Ohio and Northwestern. Randy Walker, of course, then, um, you know, passes away of a heart attack, and that's um, how Fat, Pat Fitzgerald gets um, elevated. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Wilson is the offensive coordinator there at that time, but eventually goes to Oklahoma um, to succeed Mangino. Oh, okay, yeah. And Kevin Wilson then marries the run first, but not quarterback run. Just the spread them out run power spread that he'd run at Northwestern with Damian Anderson to the tune of a co-Big Ten title in 2000. Mm-hmm. With the Leach Air Raid at Oklahoma, which set, which which gives us the Sam Bradford team in 08. Okay. Um, Wilson then parlays that into the Indiana job. Um which then after he's fired there under, you know, murky player disciplinary circumstances. Yeah. He resurfaces at Ohio State with Urban Meyer, who is one of the quarterback run gurus of the spread. Yeah. Along with Rich Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> um two other coaches with uh check checkered pass. Great. Well, let's face it. When you're kind of that kind of guru, and Mike Leach falls under this too. Sometimes, you know, you get a you know, you get ahead of your skis on certain things. Yeah. You know, you you know, you start to believe the press clippings a little that you really are that smart. Yeah. Um yeah. So like like but like there you go, some you know the Oklahoma assistants clearly influenced by Leach, and, and that's part of why 
it was so seamless when Lincoln Riley took over as the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma mm-hmm. before being the head coach because they'd been running iterations. Sure, they had mixed in a lot more running game, right? Yeah. But they were had been running iterations of the air raid since Leach got there in 99. Okay. Um. <laughs> you know, to, um, Tony Franklin was an assistant with Leach at Kentucky under Hal Mummy. Hmm. Um, Tony Franklin, of course, later ended up being the failed Auburn offensive coordinator that got Tommy Tuberville shown the door because Tuberville's other assistants wouldn't, you know, kept undermining him with the spread. Mm. And Franklin ended up having a success, a short successful tenure at Troy before retiring ah. and giving way to Neil Brown there. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, like all these, all these guys are all interconnected in different ways. Yeah. You know, even the ones who didn't directly work under leech. They were part of his web. Yeah. Yeah, they may not be part of the tree, but they're part of the, the larger web. Yeah. So combine that with the changes in the way that high school football was played, first in Kentucky, then after that in Texas, and spreading around the country from there mm-hmm. with the spread based on Leach's offense, because as it turned out, keep it simple, stupid, right? Yeah. The air raid's not a complicated system. No, it's just like six plays. Well, it's six plays on game day. It's six plays in practice. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you take one out and you put another one in uh, just to shake things up, right? Usually not during the season. Ah. No, because the, the Leech's whole idea, we're going to keep it simple, simple. We're going to practice this so many times. That you're going to be so good at executing it that it doesn't matter if the other team knows what's coming. Hmm. Um, which for high school, now think about that in high school where you have a, a lot more limited time. Yeah. And you see why it, it took off in high school. Yeah. Um, well then, let let's look further. You know, change the way the game's coached, right? Yeah. So why didn't it work at the highest highest level? Uh, you mean like the NFL? No, at the highest level of college football. Why hasn't the pure? Why didn't the pure air raid win the national title or something? Uh, defense. Well, no. Stubbornness. No. What? There just comes a point. I mean, yes, Leach was stubborn, but he also wanted to win. How Mummy was stubborn. How Mummy was stubborn to a fault, by the way. The yeah. actual creator of it. Mm-hmm. How Mummy cared about his numbers in, and the offense. Mike Leach would do what it took to win. Yeah, that, that's the difference between the two of them. Yeah. Um, now, that said... Eventually, you run into a team like an Alabama or a Georgia. Or when Leach was at Washington State, mm-hmm. Chris Peterson's Washington. Yeah. That have good, that have better players than you. 
Yeah, you could easily shut it down. I wouldn't say easily, but but once but if you have better players, that helps. But also if you have defensive guru guys, yeah. And let's face it, um, you know, look like look around in the Pac-12. Who did? Um, Leach struggle with only really Washington, right? Obviously, he lost to other teams, but yeah, n- none consistently. Um, Washington had um, you know, Chris Peterson at the top, and Pete Kwiatkowski and Jimmy Lake. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Lake, for all his flaws as a head coach and even as a defensive coordinator, is probably the second best secondary coach I've ever seen. Hmm. And the only guy who's better at coaching defensive backs in the secondary is Nick Saban himself. Yeah. And so when you had the athletes that Peterson was able to recruit with Jimmy Lake coaching up the secondary in the back, Mm -hmm. yes, you disemboweled the air raid. Yeah. Particularly if you also got checkered Washington weather on top of it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, which happens sometimes late in the year there. Yo, who are the others though? Who Mike Leach never figured out? Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Okay, yeah. Well, a combination of great players and you know the um Nick Saban, I think is the best defense. You know, for all talk and whatever else, he's the greatest coach ever. Mm-hmm. On a positions level, he's also the greatest defensive backs coach ever. Yeah. And you know who's probably third, at least among active coaches there? Kirby Smart, who was a defensive back himself when he played. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, you, it's when you marry high-level talent with a top-level defensive mind, particularly in the secondary, that Leach struggles and, and always has. Um, and that's not... Any indictment against Leach. Let's face it, a lot of a whole lot of other offenses and gurus and systems and teams and players, mm-hmm. particularly in the passing game, have struggled for a long time against those three particular defensive backfields. Yeah. So, like, this isn't necessarily unique to Leach. You know, it's just there is a point where it's not the X's and the O's; it's the Jimmys and the Joes. But in this case, it's the Jimmys and the Joes combined with the X's and the O's. Yeah. Okay, so next. Well, yeah, it's. That's it. Yeah. Sadly, he passed away. So, you know, here's, here's my favorite thing, though. Hmm. You know, he um, there was a college game day feature done on him when he was at Washington State, and he yeah. got asked about his legacy. He's like, well, that's for you guys to write. What do I care? I'm dead. <laughs> and you know what? That's a... <laughs> I think that that makes sense here. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so... And then we, you know, we go from there. 
Um, transition to coaching. Obviously, Mississippi State is open. There is absolutely no reporting, no anything, nor should there be yet yeah. on, on what they're going to do, other than we're pretty sure they're going to play the bowl game under the interim, who's the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, after, uh, yeah. We'll just wait until we see what happens there. Yeah, but that that kind of gives us our transition into coaching carousel. Uh huh. So, uh, Ryan Walters, Illinois defensive coordinator, who some thought was the backup plan for Dion at Colorado, oh, and okay. remember that Walters did play at Colorado. Yeah. Um, he is now um, he's now the guy at Purdue replacing Jeff Brom, who did in fact go to Louisville, as we thought. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I think th- this will be an interesting one in that Walters is a defensive guy at a school that is known as an offense job in place. Yeah. So I- I'm interested to see how that looks. Yeah, especially in the Big Ten West. Well... It's time to stop talking about divisions in the Big Ten. Are they getting rid of it next year? No, but it, that, that's one year. Oh, okay. Like, in a in a coaching sense, yeah. in a longer-term coaching sense, the Big Ten West's division doesn't matter. You've got one year in it. Who cares? Oh, oh okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, which, which I mean, that's kind of going to be what it is next year. Transfer portal, transfer portal, and other stuff, not notwithstanding, right? Yeah. Um. Navy. Ken Niamatololo was literally fired in the locker room after the Army Navy game. Yeah. Uh Been there fifth. Years. Uh huh. I'm just gonna say this: the nature of his firing, the respect he has in the coaching industry, um, the money that Navy can pay, other things here. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be a tough job to fill. Yeah. Um. Check Gladchuck, the uh, athletic director. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, we don't know much about this. Here's what he said, though. Academy experience is not required. Triple option experience is. Okay. So that I mean that that's what we know there. Um Stanford hires Troy Taylor from Sacramento State. Sounds like a reasonable hire. Uh-huh. He's from Cal, right? Uh he was, uh, well, he was a Cal um, player in the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, Yo, know, he's more known for, um, oddly enough, for his time as a high school coach. Up there in California? Yeah. Uh, um, he was the head coach at Folsom. Oh, okay. Which, you know, for those of us here in California... Folsom's one of the uh, 
to the you know top dogs. Yeah, they. I mean, yeah, they're they're kind of one of they're they're really kind of the biggest dog outside of the Bay Area in Northern California. Yeah. So yeah. Um. And, you know, and he he's a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, Jake Browning came out of there, a former Washington Washington quarterback who got him to the playoff, and also a Rose Bowl for that matter. Oh, okay. Um, you know, amongst others. Yeah. Um, and you know, Sacramento State, unprecedented success under him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a whole different deal at Stanford. But Stanford's gotta be happy for two reasons. One, they've got a guy they've got a guy who's been a winner. Yeah. And remember, they they went you know, when they hired Harbaugh in the first place, he was an FCS coach. Mm-hmm. And two Um They've probably denied Cal their future head coach after they fire Wilcox after next season or the year after. Or yeah. who they thought was gonna be the guy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Western Michigan hires Lance Taylor, former Louisville offensive coordinator. Um, Ho-hum, it's the Mac, and there's not a lot of guys who want these jobs right now because they seem to be dead ends. Yeah, that's why Kent State's head coach left for a... to to be Dion's offensive coordinator at Colorado. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see that more particularly in the Mac. I think also you'll, you'll see head coaches, successful head coaches leaving for coordinator jobs Mm -hmm. um, from non-Liberty CUSA jobs in the future. Yeah. Um, And also from the whack Atlantic sun amalgamation that appears to, you know, if you don't know the whack in the Atlantic sun, you know, the whack still exists. It's an FCS league now though. Yeah. It and the Atlantic Sun are merging, and the entire league is coming up together. How many teams is that? Um, I think it's like um, eight or nine. Okay. Because, so, part of the reason they can do it is that um, a couple of teams, actually some of the top teams in those leagues, are already coming up. Ah. Um, that's... Um, you know, and, and going into the CUSA, that's Sam Houston and um, Jacksonville State. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, as for Kent State, no idea where they're going. Yeah. I've heard nothing. It's bad. <laughs> uh-huh. It's just getting bad over there. Well, it's always been bad at Kent State, to be clear. Yeah, they are broke. I mean, they've always been broke. Kent State's basically been bad. Um, well, I don't know, since like the 70s? Mm. Like... 
to give you an idea how bad it, it's been there, um, Don James, national championship coach at um, at Washington, mm -hmm. he was the coach at Kent State, seventy-one to seventy-four. Hmm. He went twenty-five, nineteen, and one. Okay. With a nine and two record in nineteen seventy-three, that got him to the Washington job, where he stayed for eight, you know, for nineteen years and won a national title. After that. Every single coach they had, um, didn't last more than three years for various reasons up until 1994. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and, and, and he, and here, here's the thing. And not all of those got, not all of those were, um, you know, got fired. Um, you know, um, Dick Sesniak, um, actually died of a heart attack while in the job. Oh, okay. In in April of 1986. Um, though, and here's where things could have changed everything in college football that we know today from Kent State. What? So after Sesniak passed away in April of 1986, uh -huh. there were two finalists for the job. Nick Saban's one of them. Yes, he is. And, and Nick Saban went to Kent State, by the way. I know that, yeah. Yeah, Nick Saban is one of them. Um, I can't fault Kent State for what they did. They hired Glenn Mason, who was the Ohio State offensive coordinator at the time. Mason went 7-4 and four immediately, and actually went 7-4 and four two years in a row. Oh, okay, yeah. And turned that into the Kansas job, which then later became the Minnesota job. Like, yeah. that was a good hire, that they made there. Like I, yeah, that's one of those, even if you know how it turned out later, you don't know how, how it would turn out for Saban in his first head coaching job there and what that would do. And, you know, the Mason hire, like you hired off, you know, you had a chance to hire Ohio state's offensive coordinator in an off part of the coaching season. And then he was successful. I'm not going to tell them they did wrong by not hiring Nick Saban when, you know, we didn't know. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then Pete Cordell. Yeah. A lot of short timers here. I just see until. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, e even, even when somebody good got there. Doug, well, Doug Martin stayed there for a little while and I know Doug Martin. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Doug you know, Doug Martin also then ended up at New Mexico State. Yeah. And got them to that bowl game, you know, five or six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then Daryl Hazell, who had two bad years and then and then one eleven win season that he turned into the Purdue job, which was a disaster. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. Um, yeah, and Hazel's out of football now. Um, after Purdue, he spent two years with the Vikings. Oh, okay. As a wide as wide receivers coach, but that was it. You know, he's enjoying retirement at fifty eight, counting his millions. not tons of millions, but still millions from Purdue. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. But like all all of that's to say, this is an incredibly hard job. Yeah. And they don't tend to be super patient either. No. You know, lots of three-year firings at this job, even though it's incredibly hard to do. Okay. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, North Texas is still open. North Texas is still open. Um, that search has been oddly quiet. So they probably um, have a guy they haven't announced yet. Um, I have no flipping clue. Um, I don't think they have a guy. There's no reason to have not announced it. Hmm. Um, because, you know, they're not... They're not pulling a guy from FCS. No. The only regional guy who would be available from FCS who you wouldn't be able to potentially announce yet is the Incarnate Word guy who's already been announced at Texas State. Yeah. So, I I don't know what they're doing. Huh. Um, there. Okay, yeah, so those are the open ones. Yeah. Um Yeah, like nobody has anything on North Texas thus far. Yeah. Um coordinators. All right. Okay, Auburn. Um Phil Montgomery, the former Texas or the former Tulsa head coach is the new offensive coordinator. Okay. Um, Baylor's defensive coordinator, whose name I don't have here, who was fired slash resigned something from Baylor after the bad year this year, but has been good for a while, is the new defensive coordinator. Um, people in the industry like both these hires. Okay. Um, signs of trouble at Syracuse. Um, leaving. Both coordinators have left. Okay. 
Um, Robert and I, who just came in this year from Virginia and you know charged that offense up. Yeah, he's off to NC State to replace Tim Beck, who took the Coastal Carolina head coaching job. Okay. Um, and Tony White, the defensive coordinator, um, took the Nebraska de- defensive coordinator job. Uh, yeah, I-, I will probably take that too. Yeah. So, but just as a note, <laughs> losing both coordinator, I, I, yeah. <laughs> When's their bowl game? <laughs> um, I don't know, and I mean, no, this is more a sign of trouble for next year. Yeah. In that Dino Babers has to hit on two coordinator hires again. Yeah. There's only so many times when you're on the hot seat every other year. You can keep coming up golden on coordinator hires. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Kentucky, who fired their offensive coordinator, brought back their previous offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen, who was the offensive coordinator in 2021. Mm Mm-hmm. And went to the Rams and decided he wanted to be back. He he liked college more. Okay. So he 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 went back to Kentucky. <laughs> kind of explains some of the Rams. Also explains. I mean, yeah. Um, also, I I I I'm just gonna note here. Mm-hmm. Um. I implore everybody watching this or listening to this. If you watch the Iowa Kentucky bowl game, you should only be doing so as a form of self torture. (laughs) Yeah, really? Oh no. I don't think you realize quite how bad this is. Okay, go ahead. Um, As in, so, what is the lowest projection you've ever heard of from SP Plus for total points in a game? Uh, 10? No, like total points for both teams. Both teams. Okay, um, 20. That's close, but this game is a is an SP plus projection of twenty five total. <laughs> I'd like to note that neither team's starting QB or backup quarterback is playing. Okay, which means you have plus level defenses on both sides. Iowa is starting their third string quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that's some dude. But think about this. How bad was Iowa's quarterback play this year? And they're on the third stringer. Very, yeah. So you know what's even worse? Kentucky's also on their third stringer. Uh Uh-huh. He's an Iowa transfer who transferred because he couldn't get on the field at Iowa. In other words, both teams are starting an Iowa third-string quarterback. God. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh Yeah.
Uh, what are the other uh, coordinators moving around? Um, Phil Longo, offensive coordinator at North Carolina with that high-powered attack to Wisconsin. Okay. <laughs> uh, nothing else. Wisconsin's going to look real different. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, note that Longo will run the ball if he's got running backs, just to be clear. So, yeah, you know, that, you know, the misnomer there is that Wisconsin is going to be this high powered passing team with Longo. No, Longo was a high powered passing guy these last couple of years. Cause that's what he had back in 2019 and 2020 with Mac Brown. You know what he had? Hmm. He had two NFL draft pick running backs. So he ran the damn ball. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and he's going to have those kinds of guys at Wisconsin, so he'll run the ball. He's just going to run it from the spread rather than, you know, running an offense from 1996. Yeah. Um, Oregon. Remember, offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham is the new head coach at Arizona State. Okay, who did he get? Um, well, Oregon... Hired Will Stein, the offensive coordinator from UTSA. Oh, that's another UTSA guy going. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then speaking of Arizona State, Dillingham will probably be his own. It's probably calling his own plays, which is why we don't know who the offensive coordinator is there. Mm-hmm. Um, though they have poached Brian Ward, Washington State's defensive coordinator, for themselves at Arizona State. Okay. Um, and then, um, you know, down in the G5, I've got a couple of them. Um, we, 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 we've got, we've got ourselves one of the true ghoul, ghoulish names in the history of, of recent times. USF, new USF defensive coordinator, Todd Orlando. Formerly, a name I haven't heard in years. Yep, formerly of Texas and USC. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. You know, and then the last one here that I that I've got that I know of, and this one's an intriguing one. Old Dominion hired um, Fordham offensive coordinator Kevin Decker. Fordham and FCS, if you don't know. Uh huh. Had a mega offense this season. Oh, okay. Um, they were really, really, really good on offense. Um, by yeah, by FCS standards. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, they took Ohio, you know, of the MAC mm-hmm. to the um. Limit. Uh huh. And it yeah, was specific. It was specifically their offense that did it. Um, that game was a fifty-nine fifty-two final. Yeah, I remember seeing highlights of that game. Going, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Um. <laughs> um okay. Yeah. That, that's no. Fordham rolled up five hundred and three yards passing and six hundred and forty yards of total offense in that game. All right, that sounds intriguing. Yeah, 
So particularly for Old Dominion, I yeah, you know who has been offense challenged off and on for some time. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's kind of what we know. Thank you for listening, everyone, to kind of a disjointed show. Rest in peace, Mike. Peach. Rest in peace, Mike Leach. Yeah. Um, and reminder to watch the Troy UTSA bowl game on Friday afternoon. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, everybody, and good luck to your teams in recruiting, because uh, signing day is also coming real quick. <laughs>